welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, Bryce Diamond is in the building. As we mentioned yesterday on the show, this is the second part of a two-part episode. Yesterday, we broke down the biggest questions for every Eastern Conference team heading into the NBA season that starts on Tuesday. Today, we are breaking down all of the biggest questions for the NBA season that starts on Tuesday for the Western Conference teams. Bryce, what's going on, buddy? Not much, man. I'm excited to do this. I am very intrigued, Sam, to see if we can beat our record from the Eastern Conference. Um, when we recorded that one, we had people questioning our ability to stay to the time frame and the time limit that we gave ourselves. But we like to be thorough around here. We wouldn't be the Game Theory podcast if we weren't, but I thought we did a good job keeping it moving along. We touched on some of the important notes for each of those Eastern Conference teams. We got to 122, which we had an intro of four minutes. Yes. We had a little outro of maybe like a minute and a half or so. So five and a half minutes. I told you beforehand that I thought like 115 was probably where we were going to come in. So I feel like we did well. I'm not going to lie to you. I feel (laughs) like the first round was great. Uh, We'll see if we can hold up on the second round here. So do you want to get... Jump into this like immediately and get started. Yeah, we got a two minute head start here. Let's go. Let's do it. Okay. The first team up, the Dallas Mavericks, as we did on the East. We're going alphabetically. Uh, if you watch on YouTube, you will see timestamps later. If you listen on the channel, uh, on the podcast feeds, I will probably have timestamps there as well. So we will make that all happen. Dallas Mavericks are starting. The question here is, we didn't really have any answers on what the starting lineup was going to look like coming into the preseason. And then Jason Kidd said, Oh yeah, we're going to go with the rookies to start in Omax and Derek lively. Is that really what's going to happen here, Bryce? That's kind of my question. Like, do we have any more answers to the question of who's going to start next to Luca and Kyrie than what we did when the preseason started? I mean, I think Grant Williams is going to start. And then I think the OMAX thing changed pretty quickly. And people that have listened to the podcast know I'm a huge OMAX fan. I think he's a great young man, a great family. And I think he's going to be a good player. He started the first game, Sam, and he didn't start any of the other three games. I don't think OMAX is starting. And Josh Green was pretty good in the preseason. And I will say this. I saw him play the Pistons in this final preseason game where he was incredible. And so maybe I'm a little bit biased. The shot looked good. Obviously, you can defend. I think Josh Green's going to start. I think the one that is a little more likely to happen is actually Derek Lively the second. He ended up starting all four preseason games. And I think we may see Derek Lively start the season at the center spot for the Mavericks. And again, I don't think he's playing 30 minutes a night, Sam. I think it's 20 to 25 minutes, but maybe they just feel for whatever reason, having that true lob threat offensively is what Luca and Kyrie need to get things going. I just don't, I categorically and have fundamentally disagreed with the strategy from the start. And I still don't really agree with it. And, like think that Derek Lively should be starting for this team. Frankly, they just kind of like Dwight Powell is a better option right now 
than Derek Lively. And that's okay. It does not mean Derek Lively is a bust. It means Derek Lively is a young, skinny, big man that is going to take some time to grow into who he is. And that's like totally okay. And they can afford to take this a little bit slower with him because that's the whole thing with Lively. You're always going to have to take it a little bit slower. And maybe he'll be ready to play by January, February. But like Dwight Powell should be in the lineup, I think. Like that's just where I'm at on this. Like Dwight Powell should be their guy that's their starting center. And it's just obvious to me that Josh Green should be starting. Josh Green is like just frankly a lot better than Omax right now. And like has probably always been like a better prospect than Omax even as much as we love Omax. Like there's a reason Josh Green went 18th, Omax went 24th. Like you and I love Omax. We think that was a good pick at 24, but it was like a solid pick at 24. He has offensive questions that he has to answer throughout the course of his career. Josh is like a capable offensive player right now. So yeah, to me, like the top four, like the, the starting lineup should be like relatively easy to me for Dallas. Like it's just right now that it is Luca Kyrie, Josh green, Grant Williams, Dwight Powell, all of green and Grant can shoot to a level that, you can get enough out of the bigger thing for me is, and I kind of want to mention this. I think Dante Exum has been awesome in the preseason and like is very deserving of minutes. And this is like a drum. I feel like I've been banging for a while now that I think Dante is an NBA player. Like Dante is an NBA player and he really, really should be in the mix for them in their rotation game one, like undeniably, I think. This Mavericks team, am I crazy here thinking they have some pretty decent depth overall between the guys you've mentioned? And then we haven't talked about Jaden Hardy, who I believe in as at least an NBA bucket getter off the bench that can give you minutes. Seth Curry is on this roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like Tim Hardaway Jr., we haven't even talked about him. I just, I think there's some real depth here. I want to go, why? Uh, whenever this stuff happens, I always find myself going, why? What's the answer? What is Jason Kidd? What are the Mavericks seeing schematically? What Lively brings to the table rotationally? What is it that they're pushing this so much with Derek Lively? Or is it simply like, we drafted him 12 and we kind of tanked to make sure we kept this pick and we just feel like we have to play that guy, which... I don't think that makes sense. I don't think they're getting any pressure to play Derek Lively from the fan base or the ownership. No, maybe it's just to get him minutes now because you don't know if you're going to be able to get him minutes in the regular season. And it is the preseason, like the caveat there, yeah. Yeah, but like to me, their two best bigs that they can play are Dwight Powell and Maxi. Like if I was them, I would be playing. Talk about Maxi, yeah, yeah, like Maxi Kleba. And I think they will, like for what it's worth, like that. I think those two guys will get the lion's share of the minutes at center. And if they don't, like, it might be a struggle for them uh, at the end of the day. But you're right. Like, I think that their bench units can be pretty okay. You can toss out Tim Hardaway Jr. You can toss out Jaden Hardy, you know, Maxie, you know, or Dwight Powell, whichever one of those two you choose not to start. You do have Omax and you have Derek Lively off the bench. Like, if you need depth pieces, you have Dante Exum as well. Like, you have Seth Curry who can come in and be like a floor spacer. You have Derek Jones Jr. who's like a super athlete, right? Like, they're, they have bodies that they can throw out there. And like, Markeith Morris is on this roster now. Like, they have Rashawn Holmes as well. Like, Rashawn Holmes was a guy that I thought might be interesting, but, um, I, I don't know if the Mavericks agree based on how much he played in the preseason. So, 
we'll see. But uh, to me, the biggest question for them is just like, what is the starting lineup? What does the rotation look like around Luca and Kyrie? And again, like, I, I just don't know if we have answers on like what it exactly looks like. I think we know like who should be in there and what, like who the actual players should be. But I don't know if we have answers on like the outline of it yet. And that's a little bit concerning to me. Yeah. I mean, I just, it would be nice if we could just say, Hey, these are the starters, these five guys, we feel confident in that. And then he's got eight other guys he can play depending on who's available, who's not, who the other team is. Are they playing zone? Okay. Let's put Seth Curry out there and let him cook, you know, or they, whatever it is, is there a matchup dependent stuff with the second unit? It just makes it even more complex to filter through whenever we're not even sure we can nail down the starting five when we feel like we should be able to. Yep, I think that's right. Okay. Next up, the Denver Nuggets. Uh, This is not a team that has a ton of questions because they won the title last year, obviously. Uh, Their starting lineup is going to be Jamal Murray, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Jokic. The questions do come off the bench. Their bench has changed. Bruce Brown is gone, obviously. Jeff Green is gone, obviously. The way that I've assumed this would work is Christian Brown steps into the Bruce Brown role. I, I guess that Zeke Naji plays as the backup center, you know, for those minutes. And then they have to figure out, like, can Peyton Watson play? Can Julian Strother play? What's Justin Holiday still got left in his uh, frame? Everything like that. The big breakout here has been Julian Strother. Like, Absolutely. Julian Strother looks like he's going to be able to go from day one. And I think he has to be in the rotation, just point blank. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Uh, Sam, am I crazy being as concerned about this depth as what I am? I feel like everybody is just penciling in Nuggets, best team in the West. Like, yeah, I, I buy their starting lineup. I, I have no questions about Jamal and Jokic and all of that. I have some real questions here. With the second unit, with Reggie Jackson at 33, I love Christian Brown. Christian Brown is from a small town in Kansas. Nobody's a bigger Christian Brown fan than me. He only played 15 and a half minutes last season during the regular season. Najee, 13 and a half minutes for his career. And I love Zeke Najee. Just got the new contract. DeAndre Jordan's 35. Justin Holliday's 34. We're talking about rookie guys. Peyton Watson has barely played, even going back to his rookie, or excuse me, his freshman season in college. I'm not saying the talent's not there. I just do have questions on whether we can just say for certain they have eight, nine guys they can trust in the playoffs. I don't know if we can say for certain yet. The The big thing that will cause them issues is if an injury happens, right? Yes. If they, for some reason, at the end of the season, can't rely on those top five, that's where the uncertainty comes, Right. If one of Jamal Murray, KCP, MPJ, Aaron Gordon, Jokic go down, they're in trouble. Like even like if Jokic goes down, obviously the season's over. But like even if like KCP goes down, yes, you probably then start Julian Strother in his place, and you're like really relying on Julian Strother's defense at that point. And while there have been good signs uh, on Julian in the preseason, I think defensively. I don't I wouldn't want to rely on that in the playoffs given what the tape was at Gonzaga at the very least. So 
that's kind of where I'm at on it. Like, I think it's okay for the regular season, but the questions come if somebody gets hurt. And this is a team that frankly has dealt with injuries to Jamal Murray, to Michael Porter Jr. It, It could be a bit of a worry, but for now it's hard to like, look at this and say, Oh my God, like they're, they're in trouble because nobody's hurt right now. No, that's what I think that's where some of my is like, okay, these five guys are all really good. We trust all five of these guys. What if there's any sort of regression from KCP or Aaron Gordon, who I thought was really, really good last season and in the playoffs? I'm not saying these guys are, and they're not at the age where it's obviously going to happen, but there's a chance. And then, yeah, I mean, Strother was awesome. Just real quick, 45% on almost eight attempts from three in the preseason, but like Peyton Watson, 36% from the field, 27% from three in the preseason in five games. I'm not sure he's necessarily ready. So I just, I understand everybody who's buying the nuggets and they deserve all of that. I'm just saying I'm interested. I'm interested to see kind of how it plays out and, and who ends up being those guys. They Mike Malone can truly trust. That's it. Like, The other piece of this is that Michael Malone has had a tendency to not trust rookies throughout the course of his career. Now he trusted Christian Brown last year. You know, he's never really trusted Zeke Naji at this point. And and by the way, like real quick, do you have any thoughts on Zeke Naji? you know, three year or really four year, $32 million extension, fourth year team option. So my, my question about that is Najee's about to play a bunch of minutes. Should Najee have waited? Or if you're Najee, do you take the money? I think if I'm Najee, I think I wait and I'm like, I'm going to sign a way bigger contract in the offseason because like, I'm going to play so many minutes this season for a team that may win another, at least be championship contender. I probably would have waited personally. Um, you know, it's always hard for me to say that because like I don't have $32 million guaranteed on the table, right? Exactly. And like <laughs> on some level, I understand that it's hard to turn that down, right? Especially somebody that has played up to this point 1800 minutes in three seasons of his fair, career fair so yes. it's just to me like I, I was confused by this because i don't know we know he has a role coming in like i just don't know who it makes sense for because we know he has a role coming in and if he's good he's probably worth more than this if he's bad then this is a bad contract yeah. so it just feels like such a substantial bet. The bigger reason that I don't like this extension at all for Denver, and this has nothing to do with Zeke necessarily, is you now can't trade him, really. Like, he's poison-pilled, and it becomes harder to move him if something comes up, just in, like, a salary-matching move to go get a veteran because you feel like injuries have occurred and you need to go get somebody, right? There's, like, a real trade flexibility issue that comes into this and you know honestly it's like offset a little bit because it's like a lower number in terms of the starting salary so like he's not that poison pilled but like it's it was a weird deal to me i was surprised by it across the board yeah it just it surprised me coming across zeke naji extension just kind of surprised me because like you say they they haven't seemed to trust him so far yeah that's exactly it okay next up the golden state warriors Golden State Warriors have a number of interesting situations on their (laughs) roster at this point. Uh, They have the integration of Chris Paul. 
They have Brandon Pajemski, who is a rookie, and Trace Jackson Davis, who is a rookie on this team. Trace Jackson Davis played all five preseason games, by the way, and I thought was like pretty useful. Uh, Pajemski, you know, still is not shooting well, which is a little bit weird to me, but we shall see how that plays out long term. I love the way he's passing and being able to play almost as like a point guard sometimes, but uh, whether or not he can do that long term, we'll see. Who is their biggest X factor? Is it Stephen Curry or is it Chris Paul coming in and being able to slow down the pace, give them a bit of a different look off the bench, everything like that? Or is it Jonathan Kaminga, who frankly might have been the most impressive player this preseason, like point blank? He averaged 22 points. Six rebounds, three assists. He did turn it over four times per game, but the shot looked good. He finished at the basket. Like, what if Jonathan Kaminga is just straight up a thing now? Like, that, that is a real question we have to ask. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to take a victory lap for my breakout candidates and bringing up Jonathan Kaminga and then a player that we'll mention here in actually next that also had a pretty good preseason, but I'm not going to because I'm smart enough not to know to take victory laps over preseason. Here's another one. Like, what about Andrew Wiggins? I I just, I watch the Warriors play and I look at the roster and I'm a little nervous about Clay just being the Clay that we want him to be. And I find myself going, I wonder if Wiggins could actually take a more offensive load this season. And the year they won it, He was so darn good in those playoffs. He was incredible. And so I don't know if that's truly an X factor or not. Like Kaminga is probably the real answer here and Chris Paul integrating. I just find myself going, I kind of wonder if there's four or five more shot attempts per game for Andrew Wiggins. Can he do that? Can he do it efficiently? Can he do it at a high level? And I kind of find myself a little more intrigued with that storyline, to be honest. I I don't know if I'm way off there, but that's kind of where my mind goes whenever I watch him play. I get that. I think that is like, I I just don't know. Like I've always thought Andrew obviously had like potential to be more, I think as everybody did as a ball handler and like as a creator, but like we might just be at the point where we have to understand who he is and just be happy with who he is because, you know, he's become a winning player on like a great team and everything like that. The, the the real thing is like Kaminga was unbelievable. Like I, I I can't stop going back to that. Kaminga has been incredible in the preseason. Like my my thing, you know, when we did uh I can't believe I can't remember if it was win total over unders or not. I said that Kaminga I thought was like a real trade candidate this season because to me it was gonna be hard to play him with guys like Kavon Looney. Gary Payton, the second Draymond green guys that are non-shooters. It's hard to have two or three non-shooters out there in the playoffs. Kuminga basically was fourth on the depth chart at that point among those players. So can you really trust him? I mean, if he's this, then you might have to, right? So maybe they knew something that I didn't. And like, they probably did. I'm sure. And that was what I said at the time. Like you have to really have a great evaluation on Kaminga. And if he has the upside to be something more than what we've seen. And if not, you should move him. But if he's this, they should not move him. Like they should be keeping him. 
they should be playing him a lot of minutes. He 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 truly did. He looked really good. I'm I'm just trying not to overreact and trying to temper my expectations. I thought it all looked real. I guess is what I would say though. You yep. know, sometimes you watch some of this stuff in the preseason, and it's like, all right, well, you're doing it against these guys or in this situation or whatever. I thought it looked real. Well, in, it looked real in some respects. Like it looked real athletically. I thought the shooting was good. I just don't know if he's going to shoot that well like throughout the course of the regular season like that's the big thing if the shooting is not there it's a little bit different but I I think there's like legitimate reason for excitement with Jonathan Kaminga now and like I don't know if I was there coming into the season so to to me it's him like I feel good about what Chris Paul is going to give them but to me it's is Kaminga like a real thing now and if he is then that is that that's important for them moving forward Yep, that's a that's a great addition or yeah, just addition to what they have with that roster. Okay, so the Houston Rockets now are up. <laughs> trying to figure out like what their bench unit is is really interesting. Trying to figure out like what exactly their rotation is going to be because they have a lot of guys. Yeah. And with Jay Sean Tate in the mix there, it's like Amen, Jay Sean, Cam Whitmore, Tari Eason, Jock Lawndale, Jeff Green is still on this roster. Like, I'm interested to see if they like just play Jeff Green like at the five potentially. Um, Reggie Bullock. Reggie Bullock is there, obviously, as well. What what does their final rotation look like? Because <laughs> to to me, so here are the guys that I think have to play: Fred Van Vliet, Jalen Green, Dylan Brooks, Jabari Smith. Alperin Shangun. I think Amen Thompson has to play as like another ball handler. So that's six. Jock Lawndale has to play as the backup center. That's seven. Tari Eason, I think, has to play. That's eight. And I think Jay Sean Tate has to play. I, like Jay Sean is really good defensively. And he's been really, really impactful for them, I think, in the preseason. So I still think that's your nine. And then you have Whitmore as the 10th and like Reggie Bullock and Jeff Green is your 11th and 12th. And also like Cam Whitmore has been great in every NBA setting we've seen him so far. And no two guys were higher on Cam Whitmore pre-draft than me and you, Sam. So like we're, we were Cam Whitmore fans. So what? Play the what man. ends up happening here? Like what, what ends up happening here? Like, I truly don't know that that's the question for me. Like that is what, what, so maybe this is a, maybe this is a better way to turn this on its head, right? They need to find a way to defend. I think like, I think that's what Ime Yudoka will like kind of fall back on. Right. Which of these guys do you think give you the best chance to defend? Yeah, I mean, I think if you wanted to do that, you'd insert Tate for Whitmore. Because I think as much as I like yeah. Cam Whitmore, as much as you like Cam Whitmore, the especially off-the-ball defense isn't necessarily a thing that we had him in the top five for, right? Like, that's not why Cam Whitmore was in the top five. No. Yeah, so... But it's been okay in the... Pre- like, I will say, I think it's been okay in the preseason so far. And he has the athleticism to do it. I thought at times he could be decently on them. So let me ask you this. Could you play a men, Tate, Whitmore, Eason, Landell? And I know it doesn't have to be like five for five, but I think we both agree the starting lineup is Fred, 
Jalen Green, Dylan Brooks, JSJ, Shingoon. So, and I know it doesn't five for five, like you stagger stuff, but eventually that second yeah. unit plays some minutes together. Can you play a min, Jay Sean Tate, Cam Whitmore, Tari Eason, Jacques Landell together in that second unit? Does that work? Because I think you have some good defenser, defenders in Tate and Eason there. A min is super athletic. Cam is super athletic. You have a ball handler in a min. Does that work all around? Can you make that happen? Or do you need the shooting of Reggie Bullock or the veteran leadership of a Jeff Green in that lineup? Well, I think I think you can get the leadership from Tate and Lawndale. I think you try it and see what it looks like. Yep, I would. And you try and like stagger, like maybe you put Jalen Green like with that group. And like maybe you put like Jabari with that group or something like that and yep. see if you can get enough shooting. Yep. I think. I like right? it. Like let Easton come in early for yeah. Jabari or something. And then you can let Green cook and Fred cook and all of that. And then you play Jabari in the second unit with a men who is pass first. And you can really make JSJ the focal point of that. And, and really, now, him now and- that you now that you say this, th- this is what you do. You're, you're right. You take out Jalen and Jabari early, and bring in, I think, Jay Sean and Tari. Yep. And you go like Fred, Jay Sean, Brooks, Tari, and Shangoon. And that lineup also has like very little spacing, but like Fred is confident, Dylan is confident, like they'll make it work i think uh there's also like a question of like maybe you bring like alpi like you know early and then you put him with like some bench units maybe they have a lot of options yeah it really is going to be like a lot of trial and error i feel like for them early on and like that's basically okay to me given where they are but they they have like actual dudes now and they have actual like defenders that could make this work yeah, I mean, I think if I'm Ime, I would rather have this than like, oh, I only have eight guys and I have to play these eight guys and I can't be creative. You, you have a chance. And and maybe it results in some losses early in the season as you figure it out, right? You go through a stretch where you look out there and all of a sudden you realize like, oh my gosh, we don't have enough spacing or oh my gosh, we don't have, you know, the defense that we need. And then you figure it out. And, you know, so I I kind of like it. I'm, I'm intrigued with this. I like a lot of these players individually. I think Jabari's up for a big season. Again, I love Cam. I like Amin. You know, Jay Sean, Tari, those guys. I, I'm interested in this roster, man. I, I'm, I'm excited to see how they look and, and how Ime puts it together. Okay, the Clippers next. So the first one is like, do they get James Harden? Right? Like J- James Harden is the one that like immediately stands out. Beyond that, though, can any of like Kobe Brown, Bones Highland, KJ Martin, Brandon Boston, you know, a- any of these dudes, like, can they really take a leap or, or also like who, who plays for this team? Like, I-, I just don't, I don't have a great sense of, okay, Kawhi and Paul are healthy. It's going to be Kawhi, Paul, Russ. You know, Norman, Norman Powell, Powell. In the mix. Ivica Zubots will be in the mix. Like, they have dudes. Bones Highland had a really good preseason, yep. knocked down a ton of shots. 
despite the fact that like he did not shoot well at all from three point range. Like he, I think missed God. I think he went like one for like 20 or something like that in the preseason. Like it was crazy. Um, you still have Batum. You still have Plumlee. Obviously you have all these dudes who Terrence Mann obviously still exists as well in, you know, whatever this formulation is. Who plays, who is upset that they're not playing? Like, is Marcus Morris, like, upset if he doesn't play? You know, is Covington is still there? In Batum, is KJ Martin upset if he doesn't play? Like, they have a lot of different pieces that they probably have to consolidate at some point. And that's where this seems to be headed, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm so interested to see. Like, do any of these veteran expirings that have been involved in the James Harden trade. Are, are any of those guys still able to play Batum, Morris, Covington? You, I don't need to rename all the players. You just named them all. I, I just, I don't know that I trust any of them, but I don't know that I trust any of the young guys. Like, I don't know yeah. that I believe in the, in any of for them. For a team enough. that's like trying to win the title. Ex- that Thank you for the caveat. That's, that's very fair. So like in this context, I'm just not sure I trust. So for having a bunch of, guys that you can name this entire roster. I don't know that I love their depth and that almost sounds a complete contradiction, but I think that's where I'm at and how I feel. So I've almost talked myself into now, if they don't get James Harden, then who's the next guy they can go get? Cause I think it needs to be somebody. Can they consolidate them into maybe two different trades that land rotation guys you really trust and believe in? Do you go get Malcolm Brogdon? Like, do you, do you go get him? Like, you know, who is it? Well, they tried to in the offseason. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, my bad. So, they, yeah, they're not – Yeah, like – They didn't like the injury they, stuff, so. Yeah, like may, maybe they rethink that and just decide to go for it. That's my big question for the Clippers is just like, who who do they trust now at the end of games? Because, like, Kawhi is – seriously, Kawhi last year was a top five player in the league when he was on the court. Like, truly, he was that good. I thought Paul George was quite good when he played last year. They're going to be good enough to win games when those two play. Like, just straight up. It's just around them. What does it look like? And if one of those two guys are out, and by the way, Kawhi over the last four years has played 52, 0, 52, and 57 games. Paul George has played 56, 31, 54, 48 games. They're probably not going to play... They're, they're going to be minutes where they don't play. So what do you do? How do you make the offense work is a real yeah. question. Yeah. I, I concerns is I have concerns about this team being a true title contender, obviously because the health of those two guys, but even if they're healthy, I think I still have some questions around what this team is because like I said, I just, I'm not sure of, of all of those names we mentioned. I'm just not sure who I trust. Next up, the Los Angeles Lakers. I trust a lot of this roster, by the way. I trust a lot of this roster as well. <laughs> uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis are quite good at basketball. I'm also a big believer in Austin Reeves. He's really good at basketball. What are the two guys that you trust the most around those three to start and to close? Because those are potentially... The same conversations, different conversations, depends on how you want to take it. So I think I'm in the Torian Prince starting category. I feel like I'm a little crazy because I know Vandy can really guard and and 
people really like him. I'm also in that Anthony Davis should be playing the five. So, and that depends on what Anthony Davis wants to do. I would go D'Lo, Austin Reeves, Prince, LeBron, AD. That's what I would do to start a game. I think I think Prince looked pretty darn good in the games I saw in the preseason. Closing is interesting. Because I don't know that I love closing with D'Lo or Gabe Vincent. But I want to have spacing. Huh. You have me thinking now. I think that starting, I would do the same as what you just said. Okay. Rui comes off the bench, obviously, and, you know, big athletic guy who can create shots. Useful bench player for sure. Whatever they do with the backup five, you know, Christian Wood, Jackson Hayes, I'd yep. probably go Jackson Hayes to start personally, but like, I think know, I'm there whatever. also. Yeah. Then you've got Jared Vanderbilt, who should definitely play in some respect. You've got, I think Max Christie, who should play. Sure. Like, yep. to me, Max Christie should be in the lineup somewhere. The fourth uh, guard, probably. Probably fourth guard, I would venture. Uh, Gabe Vincent will obviously play. I think that closing, I would go Vincent or Russell, depending on who has the hot hand that night. Reeves, LeBron, AD, and then, oh man, Torian's like foot speed is not great defensively. It would probably, I'd probably be trusting Rui at that Rui. point, yeah. I think is where I'm at. Like, it might not be Rui. If, like if Rui doesn't have it that night, you could go Torian or you could go Jared, but I think that's where I'm at on it. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I was trying to find a way just to play like Austin as the true point guard. And, you know, but, and he probably is going to be if, if Gabe's still out there or D'Lo. Like I'm, I'm putting the ball in Austin Reeves' hands um, in, in that backcourt. Obviously, it'll be in LeBron's hands yeah. and AD's hands as well. But we saw Austin do that in the playoffs last year at, at times, yeah. you know, in big moments. And that dude ain't scared of the moment. I can guarantee you that. He, he's, he's a gamer. He's ready to play. So it, it will be they, interesting. They could, go, they could go really big. Like they could play – Austin, I, LeBron, AD, and then like Rui and Torian Prince or something. So want. I was going to say that, but I thought I was crazy trying to go that big. But maybe you cause enough problems with that. that that's kind of what I was trying to get to. I'm just not sure that I loved it as I was kind of play it out in my head. But that's where I was trying to get to. Look, I, I think that they have options to be able to play big. And like you could go super big with like another big on the court. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know if I trust. Jackson Hayes or Christian Wood, like in important moments, right? So, you know, we'll see what it looks like. But this is another team that does not have a ton of questions. They they have questions, but like the questions aren't bad questions right now. Well, when we have a trio of LeBron, AD, and what I think we both believe Austin Reeves is, that's a really good place to start. Yeah, 100% agree. Okay, let's take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to get to the team that I think we're probably going to end up spending the most time on. Yeah. To be honest, in the Memphis Grizzlies. We're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. 
This is going to hide your location from your ISP hackers and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, for instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla minus one recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan and you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon prime or something to be able to watch it. So when I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. Nord VPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash game theory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash game theory to claim your account. nordvpn.com slash game theory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash game theory. Okay, Bryce, we're back. The Memphis Grizzlies, they have 25 games without John Morant. They have no timetable for Brandon Clark returning. And now they have no Steven Adams, who is undergoing a season-ending surgery. I believe to his, was it his knee, if I remember correctly? In all honesty, I didn't even read that part of it. I just saw, you know... Steven Adams will miss the entire 23-24 season. I feel foolish yeah. now that I didn't even check what the injury was. Yeah, it's it's his knee. So the Memphis Grizzlies are going to enter the season. Part of why you and I, I think thought the Grizzlies were probably going to be okay is because they could go Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson yep. and be okay Yep, on Agreed. defense, along with Marcus Smart, al- along with Desmond Bain. And they'd make it work. Insert the plethora of wings that we'll talk about in just a second as well. Yep. In terms of like real depth options, starting options, everything like that. Without Steven Adams, I'm guessing that this now turns into like the Santi show where Santi Aldama is probably their starter. Like it's probably going to be Marcus Smart playing some point without John Morant. So Marcus Smart, Desmond Bain. Jaron, Santi, and 
like I mean like one of these other guys like I guess you could start Kennard I guess you could start Zaire David Roddy etc etc right Laravia. like Jake Laravia is another option right like there you could do a million things yep Adams being out is like a real issue for them I think though but I think that Santi has played really well in the preseason to where it's replaceable in terms of position, but it feels irreplaceable, like in terms of the style of what they were going to have to play. And that that's at least like, a, that's at least a problem for me as when trying to determine all of this. Okay. I don't want this to sound the wrong way. It's going to sound like I'm demeaning triple J, but is Santi the right guy to kind of have next to triple? Does Santi make triple J his best in the way that I felt like Steven Adams helped triple J be his best, especially on the defensive end. Does he kind of insulate some of the deficiencies that triple J has? So I'm glad you asked that question, Bryce. So over the last two years, here we go. Jaron Jackson has played. 2,400 minutes with Steven Adams. Okay. And he has played, or without Steven Adams. That is 2,400 minutes without Steven Adams. And he has played 1,500 minutes with Steven Adams. Okay. In the minutes without Steven Adams, they have a 108.2 defensive rating. Okay. In the minutes with Steven Adams, along with Jaron Jackson on the court. Do you know what the Memphis Grizzlies defensive rating is? I don't. And I hope you're not about to make me look like an idiot for the question I ask. 111.3. So they've been about three points per hundred possessions better. Wow. With Jaron Jackson out there without Steven Adams. Interesting. So some of that is a bit of, well, some of it's three-point field goal variance, I was going to say. Um, teams shoot much worse from two-point range against Jaron Jackson and Steven Adams, unsurprisingly. They shoot better from three-point range, which could be variance. It could be, like, schematically, they have less rotational ability, you know, replacing Steven Adams with a yeah, wing, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Or replacing Steven Adams with Santi or somebody like that. So. We're going to find out answers to that, I think, this season. Now, the the question here is, like, do they have the depth to overcome both Adams and Ja being out? Again, I think Santi can play 25 minutes and be okay. I think Xavier Tillman can play 20 minutes and be okay. Uh, I don't know if they're getting like elite level play necessarily, but they can also play Jaron at the five Five. and go with multiple wings. Jake LaRavia has played three games in the preseason and is averaging 12 points. The problem is he's not shooting well from three. I don't know what to think of that. Like I think Jake can shoot. So like, I believe that that will change. Uh, Zaire Williams, however, has been very effective. Very good. And has been 12 points, four rebounds, almost two assists, 53% from the field, 45% from three. Uh, David Roddy has also been like pretty good in the preseason, 10 points, 55% from the field, 43% from three. 
they have options on the wing to be able to do this. I'm assuming they want to keep Luke Kennard off the bench because Luke can be like instant offense. Yep. I'm guessing that they start Santi for Steven and then it's just kind of the same deal is kind of yeah. where I'm at. Yeah, uh, I just want to say, real quick, I thought Zaire Williams looked really good in the minutes I saw. They also were kind of playing him as a primary initiator. At least at least he would bring the ball down to start the possession, which I thought was interesting um, that they were trying that out. I, much as I love Derrick Rose, I didn't think he looked like he had a lot of juice left, which would be interesting. Maybe he can give him 25 games till Ja gets back. Yeah, and then LaRavia, I, I'm buying Jake LaRavia. I think he's a way better shooter than what the preseason numbers show, but Jake's got to make shots to, to get in the rotation. So you would not be – I wrote down some names. You would not be in the camp of this team needs to overreact and go trade for a – try to steal Robert Williams from the Blazers. Or we talked about Clint Capella yesterday, you know, and whether the Hawks were ready to move on from him. They don't need to make some big move – for a center like you think they just weather the storm for it this year and then Stephen Adams is you know he's he's 30 years old still has he'll be an expiring next year on a really good contract but you just weather the storm this year with Aldama and Tillman and Triple J at the center do you think they need to go ahead and start make a move for now and maybe even plan for the future a little bit I think you play out the first 20 games and see what it looks like yeah is where I'm at Yep. If it's a real problem, you go make a move. But I think that you play out the first 20 games. I think Santi can play. So like, I, I think that he can give you enough cover in the minutes where Jaron is not at the five. I'm assuming Zaire starts uh, at this point, given what so we've seen also. in the preseason. I thought he was more impressive than Roddy. But Roddy also started a game in the preseason. Started a game or two, if I remember correctly. Uh, I know Zaire started the last one. So Zaire started three. Roddy two. Uh, Lavravia did not get a start. Yeah, so I would imagine that Zaire starts coming into the season, and I'm guessing that they go Marcus Desmond, Zaire, Jaron, and Santi, but maybe they go two wings with Roddy and Zaire, I guess, uh, and bring Santi off the bench. I think that'd be weird. I, I would go Santi to start, though, I think. Yeah, I think I think I'm with you on that. And I think I agree as well. And, you know, I brought up Robert Williams. Obviously, there's injury concerns with him, you know, as well. So maybe that's not the right answer. So, yeah, let's play out 2025 games. And we talked about some other guys who with opportunities. And by the way, at the end of that 20 to 25 games, they get John Moran back. Correct. Correct. So that's another thing to consider here and like move forward with. So we'll see what they look like. I think Uh, they, they need to figure out what they look like. Agreed. Okay, the Minnesota Timberwolves are up now. I, along with many people, am a believer in this Minnesota Timberwolves idea. Let's go with because of Anthony Edwards and I love Rudy and I think Carl Towns is an extremely talented player, obviously. They have some real depth with Mike Conley and Kyle Anderson. And, you know, I like the way they've drafted with guys like, you know, obviously they didn't draft Nasri. They picked him up in undrafted free agency. And yep. Obviously, people know I'm a big Leonard Miller guy. And then Jaden McDaniels, I would assume, you know, by the time we release this, might have an extension, right? (laughs) So the biggest thing for me is that we still don't exactly know what the Carl Towns, Rudy Gobert minutes look like. And that's a real question for them 
coming into this season. Uh, last year, when Rudy was on and Towns was off, according to play-by-play stats, uh, they were a negative 0.21. When Gobert and Towns were on the court together, they were a plus 0.4. When Towns was on the court with Rudy, or when Towns was on the court without Rudy, they were a plus 1.7. So to me, I, I just like wonder, like, are they actually impacting each other in like accentuating each other's games in the way that you want them to towns obviously missed a significant portion of last season. So you didn't get that year to like get the cobwebs out and like figure out how to play together. I thought it was really clunky, especially early on when they played together. So that's where I'm at. Like, can the Minnesota Timberwolves figure out how to make the Gobert Towns minutes work together, especially with the star turn that Anthony Edwards has taken? Are you more concerned about that combination offensively or defensively? Because I feel like with Towns' skill set, I have less concerns about it offensively with the, his ability to space the floor and step out. And I think at the end of the day, no matter what people want, that's what he wants to do anyway. I think where I don't love it as much is actually defensively where now you kind of have towns chasing forwards wing, you know, teams are saying like, well, we're not going to be able to match your size. We're just going to play small and make you chase us around. I think that's where I like it less. I like it less for defense in the playoffs. I like it. Okay. For defense in the regular regular season, season. because they can just play really really big like opponents only shot 49 percent against them from two-point range uh, in the 500 minutes they played together last season in the regular season so so it's just when you're that when you have that many like limbs and like big bodies out there it's hard to finish in the paint even in the nba so i think they can be okay defensively there it's just when you start to play the best players they can kind of kill you in that way and according to the ratings, it, it's actually opposite of what I said. They had by far the best defensive rating of the combinations, either one on, one off, both on or both off. Yeah. Them on the floor together had by far the best defensive rating, but it also had by far the worst offensive rating. So the numbers yeah. contradict what I feel. And part of the reason for that, because I watched a decent amount of them early last season, is that Towns didn't really know what his role was at that point. Like, it was a lot of, I'm like mid-posting, I'm high-posting, like I'm kind of trying to create shots, like I don't really know where I'm going. I'm also trying to be the unselfish playmaker and distributor a lot of the time. It, it It was weird, and it was hard to navigate last year, I think is what I would say. Um whether or not that changes, I think is what they need to figure out here because uh, th- that is, that is a real worry for me, for them on that end. For sure. No. And that's what, like, I mean, I, I guess I just feel like Anthony Edwards, ball in hand, primary guy, go get buckets, run pick and rolls with, with go bear. And maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's not as easy as just like letting cat space the floor in those particular minutes and, yeah. you know, and then you play, you stagger him where he's the only one of those three, quite honestly, on the floor. And then now he's the primary offensive engine in those minutes. 
Okay. Next up, the New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, I didn't have a question. I I, I couldn't figure one out. I, I didn't know. Yeah, like mine was just like, what what's going on here? Basically, uh, Trey Murphy getting hurt like really hurts them. Yes, because Trey is like their floor spacing shooter who creates space for guys like Jonas and Brandon Ingram, who prefers more to drive and be in the mid range, and obviously Zion Williamson, <laughs> who is back now. And I liked the way that Zion looked in the preseason. I thought he was his downhill aggressive self. I don't think he really had like the vertical, like explosiveness and pop that we've seen from him previously, which is a worry, but he was still like just a scoring force. Like in the minutes he was out there, I felt like both passing and scoring himself. Yeah. It seems like they're going to go with CJ Brandon Zion Jonas and then probably Herb Jones as the fifth starter without Trey Murphy. After that, like, I don't really understand what this rotation's going to look like personally. I think Najee Marshall will play. Um, I think Dyson Daniels will play. I'm just not totally sure. Like, the minutes where Zion and Brandon were off the court in the preseason were extremely, extremely concerning. And I don't know what to do with them right now. Yeah. And you wonder if the rookie, you know, Jordan Hawkins is going to get significant minutes just because you need that floor spacing. And if there's one thing that Jordan Hawkins does, it's knock down shots from beyond the three point line. So again, like it was a roster. I just went through it. I'm like, man, I'm excited to see healthy Zion. Like I'm excited for that. That's good for the NBA. That's good for the league. But I just didn't really know what I felt about the roster. And you're right. It's interesting as you go through these things and you find guys. We talked about this with Lonzo Ball and the Chicago Bulls, where you're like, man, uh, Trey Murphy really is like that connector piece. Not that they're the same players, but like just his shooting and, and what he brings really kind of makes things make a lot more sense. It's just it's really interesting as you look through rosters and you find those guys that it's like, man, they're really the ones that are, however you want to say it, the glue guys, the connectors, whatever the term you want to use. Yeah, I think that that is a real question that uh, how do they like manage the minutes without Trey right now it is a really, really important question for them because Trey, Trey is vital to everything that they do. Okay, next up, we have the Oklahoma City Thunder. Just kind of period, like how close are they to contending is my question. Like they seemed really good in the preseason. Mm -hmm. I will say like I thought defensively there were some concerns possibly, but you do have Chet entering the fold. Traditionally, the thing that has been a bit of an issue from time to time has been rim protection for them. So like between Chet, Jalen Williams, Lou Dort, and like all of the length they have out there, I think it's probably going to be okay. Are they just like a, are they like a 45 to 50 win team? Like, is this where we're at? Like, if not more, I think they're really good. If you're asking me like, truly, when am I comfortable talking about the thunder as a real threat in the West? I'm going to say 24, 25. I I, I think they're going to be awesome this year. I, I love a lot of players on that roster and not even the guys we talk about all the time. Every time I watch Isaiah Joe, I'm just like, I uh, this guy can really play like he can shoot it, yep. but then he's attacking closeouts. We've talked about 
you know, guys being able to actualize some of the stuff they can do with the ball in their hands whenever they force closeouts. We talked about this with Quentin Grimes. Isaiah Joe's not that level, but when you're an elite shooter, you have the a really good first step because people have to close out so fast, so hard, so close to you. I, I just I always come away impressed with Isaiah Joe. We've talked about Kaysen Wallace. Actually didn't love Usman Jing, but Giddy, all of these guys. I, I think I'm ready to say if they continue to progress and look like if Chet looks in the regular season, what we've seen in the preseason, 24-25 is a year where it's like, this is a team we have to talk about being top four contending for a real deep playoff run. And I think they're going to make teams really, really work this year. And I think they're a playoff slash home game play-in team. I think the theme, they're like, a, they're like closer to the six than what I thought. Uh, I don't know if they get to 50 this year. I said on a tab show that I did that I think that they win pretty close to 50. I think that's where I'm at though. Like the guy who can't get hurt, I think is Chet. Like obviously Shay can't get hurt. If Shay gets hurt, like this thing completely falls apart. Absolutely. But like it doesn't fall apart, but like the them winning 50 games falls apart for sure, I think. Um if Chet gets hurt, it like kind of changes the upside defensively enough to where it would be a little bit of a worry. But like, this is weirdly a team like I don't have a lot of questions about right now, which says to me they're probably going to be pretty good. Like the teams that we've gone through, where like we're just like yeah, like we're asking about depth, like we're asking about like you know questions that aren't like significant questions. They tend to be like pretty good teams. I feel that way about the thunder like they're young i guess like you could talk about the experience maybe but like i I feel good about where they are yeah there's a little bit of front court depth stuff because you have chet i like the other jalen williams i think he's a good nba player but as a backup bertans comes in and like every game i've watched he comes in and he just bangs threes i don't know who they were playing he hit five in a row or something like that as soon as he came in I think it was so. Like, if there's an injury, like, that's where you're right. If Chet gets hurt, now you're having to start Jalen Williams, and guys are playing major minutes that maybe you're should be just coming off the bench. So, yeah, like they probably need another piece there in the front court to truly be 50 plus wins and make a deep playoff run. And that's why I don't think it's there this year. But as we've talked about, they absolutely have the assets to go get whoever they need to. I think this year it's like, what holes do we have? Sam, that's what they're going to get to find out. Yeah. We think this team's pretty good, right? Wh- where do we still have a hole, though? Wh- what What do we need to fix? Is it a wing this? Is it a defensive, sh- you know, whatever? And then use the 5,000 first-round picks to go get whoever they want to fill those needs. I think that's a great way to phrase it. I think that's a really good way to phrase it. Okay, next up, the Phoenix Suns. You brought up, like, who is the fifth starter? For the Phoenix Suns, right? Yeah. I'm going to shift that like slightly on its axis and say, who are the final two closers? Like when they have to, like they're in a tight game and they have to figure out like how to make it best for Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal. Who are the two guys that they trust to play in those late minute circumstances? Because like, Yusuf Nurkic, I think, is one of them. Like, they're just going to have to trust Yusuf. But, like, defensively, he's going to get spaced out, like, in a lot of 
important moments against good teams. So they might need two guys to be the starter. So these two questions here are somewhat together. Who is the fifth starter? And then who is the sixth guy if they can't play Nurkic? I don't, I don't have an answer for that second one. As you bring it up, like you're not going to go crazy small. They, in they, that they might have to with. Uh, and so when I say crazy, I'm talking about Durant at the five. You're not going to yeah, do no. that. Is that what you're talking? Like, are we on the save Wayne? Like you think they may have to do that. I mean, like maybe it's like Yuta at the five. It could be like Eubanks or Chemezi, but like, look, I, I'd rather just play Nurkic and get the advantage that you get from Nurkic's offense out there at the that's five. What I, if you're doing that, one that's of those two. If it's not Nurkic, then it's play small and play Durant at the five. In my yes. opinion. Or like, it, it's like, you know, whatever you want to call Yuta. Like Yuta is definitely not a five, but he's, you know, six, eight and, you know, relatively big and like played the four or five in college. Right. So like, could you get away with a Beal Durant Booker a Kogi Yuda lineup or something like that? Or like a uh Eric Gordon in Yuda last two, or like Nasir Little and Gordon, or like Grayson if he's like shooting the lights out. Like I, I don't know the answer to this. Like, I, I'm just like spitballing here. Like maybe, maybe it's Kata. Cause like Kata Bates, the op is like six, eight, like a seven, two wingspan. Long, like you long, might be able yep. to do something like that. Like th- that, that's where it is. So like you said, like, you know, who are there, who are there four guys outside of, you know, Nurkic, Booker, Beal and Durant. Like, I'll ask you that. Like who are there for? Cause you need eight. A Koji, Grayson Allen, Eric Gordon, and then I think it's Little or Bates Diop. Uh, or uh, I think Yuda has a chance though as well. I think I, I feel pretty good about the first three that I named. And then it's one of those others. What one of those other guys? I think I would go Gordon. Grayson, probably Yuda, and maybe in one of Nasir Little or Bates Diop. I think and not not a Koji. Yeah, I guess I do. I forgot a Koji. Yeah, I I guess it would be a Koji in there. He's probably going to start right. Like he's going to get the first I'm chance to start. Zooming. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, maybe it's like, a, but like, I don't, I don't love the fact that he can't shoot is the problem, but like, I guess that you have enough shooting. I mean, yeah, it's, it's probably a Koji, a Koji Allen. Nasir has been like pretty okay in the preseason too. Yep. Yep. They, they just have a lot of dudes and like, I don't think Eric Gordon is like totally washed. Neither. No. So I, I looked it up. Grayson Allen is a career 41% three point shooter yeah. in the playoffs, in the playoffs on over four attempts per game. Like, yeah, great. Grayson can shoot. Like, Grayson can really games. shoot. And like, Eric has been like pretty good in the preseason. Grayson's been pretty good in the preseason. Like, Grayson's been pretty good without shooting it well in the preseason. So, like, 
I, I almost think it's got to be Grayson and Eric are in there. I agree. I think Yuta has been good in the preseason. I, I think it's probably Eric, Grayson, Akoji, and Yuta is where I'm at. I, I think those are the four I trust. I'm, and then I'm, we'll see with Bates, Diop, and Little. Yeah, I like it. And there, there's a chance it's Nasir. Like Nasir like, might yeah, yeah. be fine and like might be okay for them. But that, that's the big one for them. Like, Can they actually – can they find four? I don't know if they can find four right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Portland trailblazers are next similarly to Washington. Like we're not going to spend like a crazy amount of time on Portland because like uh, their questions are not, you know, like super relevant to what happens this season from a like competitiveness perspective to me, it's just, you know, can Anthony Simon, Scoot Henderson and Jaden Sharp play together. If those three can play together, that's like the most important question for me long-term. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all about the young guys and finding out how good they are. And again, like you said, most importantly, can they all fit together? I think both of us believe in Scoot. Simons is an incredible three-point shooter and just maybe just scorer in general. Shaden Sharp is really, really interesting, super talented, obviously. And, and I guess you can throw DeAndre Ayton in this as well. Like, how does he fit with those guys? So you take those guys and you find out how how good are each of them individually and then collectively, can they all play together in roles that make sense and actualize their ceilings? And if not, then what are you going to do? Who do you prioritize? Those type of things. I think the, the tertiary question is, does Jeremy Grant help you answer those questions based off what he brings? Does Malcolm Brogdon yeah. help you answer those questions based off what he brings? And then what is the give and take of how much are they helping you, but how much can they return you in a potential trade as well? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. For what it's worth, I thought all of Scoot, Shaden, and Simons like looked pretty good in the preseason. I thought I thought Simons was like fucking lights out he was in awesome. the minutes he played in the preseason. What I saw, like, he was incredible. Yeah, I think people have not yet totally recognized how freaking great he is on offense. Like, I think he's going to average like twenty five plus this year. Like he, he's going to be a significant scorer in the NBA this year. Uh, and then you have Shaden, you have Scoot. Like, I guess here's another question. What is this like win total ceiling for Scoot, Simons, Shaden, Jeremy Grant, DeAndre Ayton? You know, like you have Matisse on this team. You have Brogdon off the Murray. bench. Robert Brogdon and Rob Williams. This team might win more games than people think. Like it's plausible. And and again, they can go win game. I think I think it's top 14 protected off the top of my head. I'm not positive, but I believe it's top 14 protected to the Bulls. So they can go win some games, is my point. Because, and I've said this multiple times, there's not Wimby at the top of the draft. There's not Scoot at the top of the draft. If you fall to six, I don't think you're just crushed if it means your young guys won some games, learned how to win, maybe played some meaningful games. And so 
I don't think they have to tank. Definitely not right from the start of the season. This roster is somewhat interesting to me in terms of being competitive. Not at not a playoff team, Sam, but just being able to be competitive night in and night out. And yeah, go win. You have a true NBA bucket getter. Jeremy Grant is a good NBA player. And no matter what people want to say about DeAndre Ayton and the contract and all that, DeAndre Ayton is a quality, quality NBA center. So if Scoot's ready to go, I think they can win some games. They like they could win 35, like 36, if Scoot's ready to go. If he's not, like then it'll probably Correct. be like, you know, 28 to 30 or whatever, 28 games. But then they have Brogdon. Like Brogdon like won six man of the year last year. I don't know how long he'll be there, but like they're acting like he'll be there. And then Rob Williams is an all defense guy. Like you can get there is a non-zero chance that the Portland Trailblazers this year get top 10 center production between DeAndre Ayton and Rob Williams. They have 48 minutes of like real starting caliber NBA centers. And there are not a ton of teams that can say that they have that. Like, are they the, can they be the Utah Jazzish of this NBA season? That's what I'm, that's the exact thing I'm wondering. Like, are they this year's like jazz team that is way better than what people think? Uh, and they're like sneaky, interesting. Now, like I think Will Hardy is like a way better coach than Chauncey Billups. So that is probably the differentiator there, but talent wise, like they have enough dudes to like kind of win some games here. So I would say health, all of them on the roster all year, they don't get traded and they try to go win. If they wanted to try to win every game all season, they're at least a 500 team. I think, or I think they could at least be a five. Oh, I, I don't think they're at least that. Like, I, I think they, uh, I think they'd be like a 36 win, 35 win team. If, Sorry, if they stayed fully healthy. Yeah. But like, I misspoke there. I didn't mean, I, I think the ceiling is to get to 500. Yeah. This that's probably the ceiling. Like if, if Simons took a big leap, if sharp took a big leap, if scoot was ready to go, and like DeAndre played really pissed off and they got, you know, 65 great games out of Rob Williams and you kept Malcolm for the whole year. Honestly, that's like not out of the realm, I guess. And again, that's I would, honestly like it'd be stunning and they're not all going to stay healthy. Like Malcolm misses yes. 20 games a year. Rob Williams misses 30 games a year. Like, you know, Scoot may not be ready. Like he may not be Scoot. able to get Simons to 25, 26 points a game running the show. So no, like I'm a, just, a reasonable expectation here is like 30 to 33 or something. I agree. Like 30 to 35. I agree. And like them, I don't, I don't think it's like out of the realm. If they go win 36, 37, like, I don't think you would just go like, Oh my gosh, this is insane. I was just saying like absolute ceiling things really come together. They try to win every single game you know, it, which isn't what happens. Not every player progresses at the rate you want. I'm just saying like, could this team be 500 in just like a perfect scenario where they never tank, they never trade off assets and they're healthy. Well, we're, we're going to talk about this in the last little segment here, but like the bottom three teams in the West that everybody expected were San Antonio, Portland, and Houston. Those teams might all be like pretty okay. Like, I don't think any of those teams from a talent perspective are sub 30 win teams yeah. right now. 
So at least based on like, but that, that is where the depth of talent in the NBA. And I keep saying this to people like the fucking depth of talent in the NBA right now is insane. It is so deep. There are so many teams and so many dudes that are like really good. There is enough talent right now to add four teams, let alone two teams that eventually seem to be coming. So to me, I'm looking at this and it's, it's hard to categorize all of this right now because there are so many good teams and there's so much depth league wide. Yep. No, and that's, what's hard to me as well, because I look at the roster and I say, that's a lot of talent. Maybe they could be a 500 team. And I assume what I'm going to get is, yeah, but they have to play the Suns and the Warriors and the Lakers and the Clippers and the Nuggets all in the Western conference. And whenever you, when I, when I say it like that, I'm like, damn, maybe they, maybe there's no chance they even get to 35 wins because all those teams are still better than them. No matter how good, how talented I think the roster still could be, you know, whenever surprisingly talented. So maybe it's not, maybe, maybe they're just a straight up 30 win team because everybody else is that much better. I know. Right. Okay. Uh, Next up the Sacramento Kings. This is just like defense, right? Like are the Kings good enough defensively to, stay where they've been in the last season uh is keegan murray like ready to take a jump offensively is crystal warte like a real value add like they're they have some questions but again they're like almost they're, they're the same questions that they've had now for a year basically or at least like eight months since we've known the kings have been pretty good with the aaron and demonis running the show yeah so I think Keegan is going to take a jump offensively. I watched the preseason game the other night. I was like, holy cow, this dude looks so confident and it looks so smooth. And I was wrong about his offensive ceiling coming into the NBA. He's a much better shooter than what I even realized. And, and he's really good. I have real worries about them defensively inside. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. It showed up in the playoffs last year. You know, yeah. it's Sabonis one, but like Javel can't, like teams are just going to get him to switch or somehow get him to guard somebody on the, yeah. and he, I love JaVel McGee, just like energy. When he was playing with the Warriors, I thought he was a lot of fun, like just in the regular season, helping bring energy off the bench. He can't move on the perimeter. Players were just blowing by him. I think I've watched two games and I looked at my notes as I was watching the second game and I essentially wrote the same thing. McGee can't stay in front on the perimeter and you're going to get out there at times. Like NBA players are good enough. They're going to stretch you out on the floor. So I'm worried about the interior defensive presence for this team. I am too. Like, I think their best backup center is Trey Lyles still. Um, <laughs> like the Sasha Vizankov, I, I love the cutting and I think he can really shoot it. Like I know yeah. he shot 27 from three in the preseason. He can shoot it. Like I'm not worried about him in that way i'm really worried about the foot speed <laughs> like I'm, i agree i'm quite concerned like i am concerned in general just about this team's foot speed defensively for a team that is going to want to like go and play up tempo and like play at pace i think we're looking at another top five offense bottom five defense ish kind of season and again like the depth of talent in the nba is deeper than it's been and oh by the way like if someone gets hurt because they were the healthiest team in the league last year like what does this look like for the kings that's my biggest worry and i want the kings to be great because that fan base like the fucking rules 
when this team is good. They're the team in the West that like the warning light is on for me a little bit among the teams that like finished in the top six last year, just because I, I, I am quite worried about the defense, even though I think like offensively they should be as good, if not better this season. Again, though, like the injury stuff worries me. Yeah. Like they're, they're the team that I have the warning light for right now. And like, I hate it so much because I just want the Kings to be good because the Kings are like the most fun team to watch uh, when they're good. And the fan base is super fun. That arena is great when they're good. Like I I hate saying it. I'm just like a little bit worried. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think we're in the same boat on that. And I'm with you in this, like in terms of it was fun for the Kings being good. It was a lot of fun for the NBA and everything. It just, some of those questions are there and um, I'm I'm interested to see what the answers are going to be. Okay. Next up, one of these last like bottom teams in the West, maybe the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, just real quick, Victor Wembanyama has been incredible in the preseason. I've done a whole breakdown over on the YouTube channel. Like, go watch that. Like, I did a full. I think did you and I do that or did yeah, I? We, do that? Yeah, I no, we did. I think we did you that. And I did that. We did that one together. Yep. Go check it out. Like insane what he is doing and then in a 90 second span against the warriors this weekend he like what was it it was like swallowed up a wiggins drive blocked a clay thompson three and turned it into a transition dunk took a ball screen and like created a like mid-range jumper out of a ball screen and then also like made this ridiculous like leaning shot like from behind the backboard again it was completely bonkers that this guy is capable of doing all of this he's really good yeah he's gonna be better than like what anybody expected like from the jump myself included and I literally had to create a whole fucking tier for him, like in the draft guide that I've never created before. So they might be better than what people think, I guess is my point. It looks like lineup wise, they're going to go without a point guard. They're playing like some point Sohan, like, you know, letting Devin and Keldon run it a little bit. Like they've played a lot of Jeremy, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, Victor Wembanyama, Zach Collins lineups. And then they have Trey Jones who comes off the bench and like, you know, plays actual point guard. What are your thoughts on those lineups? I guess it's just the question here for the Spurs. Yeah, I guess let's find out in fairness to how we've talked about some of these other situations, the Scotty Barnes in Toronto, you know, we talked about a little bit with Cade in Detroit, like find out if there's a year to find out because Victor's so good, they're going to be ready to be good sooner than I think people realize when I say people, I guess I mean me. So let's find out this year. Let's find out in 25 games, 30 games. Can Sohan do this? If he can, great, cool. Let's figure out the rest of it. If not, perfect. We found out we're going to have to play him somewhere else. How are him and Victor going to mesh and Zach Collins in the front court? And now we got to go get a point guard in the off season. Should have put in an offer for Austin Reeves, but how much fun would that be? Austin Reeves and Victor Wimbenyama. But I I think in fairness, that's what they, they should do. Like, why not? I don't, I don't think I believe it's going to work 
Sam. I don't think I believe that that's that it's going to be what they want to do, but I'm okay with them finding out. I think that where I'm at, and I just lost camera for a second there. I think where I'm at is find out, but you're probably going to find out that starting Trey Jones is like the right call. And then finagling like the, you know, Sohan, Keldon Johnson, who starts situation. Zach Collins did sign a two-year $35 million deal, which to me is a great contract. Like he's look good. Yeah. He's looked great. Like Zach Collins is a legit NBA player. And that is what a legit NBA starting center makes. And I think he's that like he's, he's, as I've said from the jump from when they won the lottery, I think Zach Collins is the perfect center to put next to Vic. He can shoot. He can be a rim protector. He can pass a little bit. That's the guy to me. Like, did you like that deal as much as I did? Yeah, no, I think he's a good player and watching the preseason and kind of the different play types where, okay, they posted him up a little bit. So maybe if he's playing with a second unit, you do run some stuff through the post, but then he could pick and pop. Like, yeah, I, I like it a lot. I, I don't I mean, it'd be interesting how they figure out if Sohan can't play point guard. Right. And then you just end up bringing him off the bench or, you know, how does that work? And maybe ultimately that's a really good role for him to do that. But yeah, yeah i this is another team that's really interesting in a lot of areas. I'm interested to see how Malachi Branham looks this year and if he can really just be a straight bucket, you know, at that guard wing position. But everything's more exciting when Victor Wimbenyama's on your team. And um, that that's when you start with that, everything else looks pretty darn good. Yep, I think that's right. Uh, they're going to be in a good spot. Last team here, the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz have a lot of guards. They have Colin Sexton, Jordan Clarkson, Taylor Horton Tucker, Chris Dunn, who looks fucking awesome. And I, as one of the chief Chris Dunn believers in his draft year, uh, I couldn't be happier about that because Chris uh, Chris can really defend. And I- I've loved this little resurgence we've seen. Uh, and then we have Keontae George as well. So the big question for the Jazz is, what is their point guard situation? Do they kind of make an early season trade to maybe like, you know, solidify like a shrunken rotation a little bit? And who's their guy long term? It seems like it's probably Keontae, but like, is he good enough to be the starting guard or is he going to settle in more as like a Jordan Clarkson guy? I think that remains to be seen. Yeah, I mean, that's my thing. You named off five guys. I'm assuming you want to get Ochai minutes, but you can just play him at the three. But like, even with those five, can you get all five of those guys minutes every single night? Because you're going to play big, right? Like because of who you have in the front court, Lowry's going to be playing a lot of minutes at the three. And I just, you know, I brought up Ochai playing time at the three. So to me, it's not even necessarily about who starts. It's who doesn't get to play out of those five guys. And I don't know what the answer is. Like, I just, I think it's going to be really interesting to see who they end up prioritizing in terms of minutes, usage. And as you brought up, like on ball usage, this is another situation. Do you want to, do you need to find out can Keontae George play primary creator or does he need to be able to play off ball? Can Chris Dunn bring enough offensively to, you know, uh, balance how good he is defensively. Colin Sexton, you know, is a guy that's averaged 20 points a game in elite in this league before. So it's talented players. 
it'll just be interesting how they navigate who gets the minutes and who gets priority to find out what they can do. I think they're the team that is like most ripe for a consolidation trade yep. right now. Um, they have all the picks that they could possibly want from the Gobert and Mitchell deals. They have, and, and the deals last summer with, or last spring with uh, Conley and Jared Vanderbilt and uh, Beasley, obviously. So like getting that first round pick from the uh, Lakers. So they have so many different ways that they could attack this. And maybe Keontae George makes it easy and just steps up and goes, yeah, I'm the fucking guy. Like, let's get around me and let's do this. I don't know if that's going to happen from day one. Probably won't happen from day one. But if he does it like by game 40, it probably makes things a little bit easier. I just wonder if, like the guy here that makes the most sense to me is Taylor Horton Tucker. Like you can move Taylor Horton Tucker yep. and like maybe combine him with like the Sexton contract and get like a real guy and like maybe add some picks to that. I don't know. It feels like one of T- Taylor Horton Tucker or Sexton though feels like the guy to move to me. Yeah. Cause Clarkson that leaves Clarkson George. Yeah. I like that. You, you, you combine yep. those two and you go get like a true, probably a true starting point guard, try to play Keontae off of him and then run Dunn and Clarkson in the back in the second unit or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then Jordan Clarkson, I think can't be traded for a little while. If I remember correctly, um, but his deal is like unbelievably like, I, I think that is an incredible deal to have him at $14 million over the two seasons of 2024, 25 and 2025, 26. Yep. Like it's a ridiculous number to have him at. So like, it, seriously, Denny Avdia just got four fifty five, right? Like Jordan Clarkson's a baller, man. Like that dude is, that dude is really, really good. And like a legit piece for a contender. So at some point I would imagine Clarkson probably goes as well, but like th- they have some real time on him. Uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing that it's not going to be uh, Clarkson immediately, though, yeah. for what it's worth. Yep. Okay. Bryce, we did it again. 123. This is good. This is great. Like I mentioned on the first episode of this two-parter, we're going to do probably predictions at some point, although the more I think about that, I might have just missed the boat on it we'll see depends i'm definitely going to do extensions at some point this week though whether or not i can rope danny in i'll find out um i do want to talk a little bit more about these extensions and like what some of these numbers mean i I find them fascinating because again like jordan clarkson you know signed the deal because he got the balloon payment uh in the first year and now is like super cheap for the next couple of years going to be interesting to see how teams handle those moving forward uh bryce do you have anything else you want to plug before you get out of here no just real quick uh motor city hoops on twitter the pistons pulse podcast if you are a pistons fan apple spotify youtube and then draft digest we're we're really starting to get close to college basketball season and i think that's when people really start to get into the nba draft a little more so if you're interested in that i've 
written about Perth. I've written about Carnes. I've written about KK Mega. I've written about Iowa State, Connecticut, all the draft prospects on all those teams. So check that out over at si.com backslash draft digest. Yeah, I am excited to, after we get done here, I'm going to take an hour break and then I'm going to dive into the mega USC game from this summer. Yeah. So I am uh, very, very excited about that. Bryce, it's great to have you on the show today. This has been the Game Theory Podcast. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe, do everything you can to support the show. We will be back next week, a.k.a. this week, uh, in a couple of days, I promise. Uh, we just recorded for three hours to get these 30 teams done. Uh, we will be back this week with more, I promise. Until next time, we'll talk soon. Bye. Bye.